Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Nightcap on 1140 The Bet. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Here's your host, Lindsey Brown. And joining me from the most mobile of studios is the man, the myth, the legend, the close personal friend of the program on the nightcap, Michael McKenna. Why are you in the car? Where are you going? And uh, why are you going there? Hi, Lindsay. I'm just happy that you use my full phonetical name and saying I'm Michael McKenna. It brings me back to my youth, and I like being called Michael. Not enough people do that, so thank you. You're welcome. I'm in the car headed to Chicago, Illinois, to see the Blackhawks play against the Anaheim Ducks this evening. And uh, it's going to be interesting here. This is a bit of a research research trip because, Lindsay, we've got two teams mm. in the Hawks and Ducks that have some decisions to make in advance of the trade deadline, and I'm curious to see what they look like on the ice tonight. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have kind of been that team that a lot of others have been picking off for talent or using it kind of as an intermediary. But the Anaheim Ducks have kind of stuck around in this Pacific Division race a little bit longer than most people had anticipated, although I think they really racked up those wins probably in the month of November. Other than like your Ricard Raquels, who are you uh, eyeballing on that Ducks roster tonight? Well, we had a breaking topic today on our daily face-off show, and my teammate Frank Valley says that Hampus Limholm has now number five on the trade targets list, according to our website. And the reason being is that he's due a new contract. GM Pat Verbeek of the Anaheim Ducks has to make a decision on Lindholm, and that is a defenseman that would be highly coveted by a lot of teams in the National Hockey League. But Anaheim has to make decisions. They also have Josh Manson. They also have Ricard, Ricard Raquel. They've got a lot to work with there. So uh, really curious to see where Lindholm may be. And, and Anaheim's just, like you said, they were good to start the year. They, they've come back down to earth recently. They've got a lot of young talent. But they got some decisions to make here in the near future. Well, and it, timing is really the the thing I, I think at the forefront of my mind, at least, because I, I don't think that they're ready to contend next year either. Just looking around the Pacific Division and how many teams have made moves, be that the Golden Knights, be that the, the L.A. Kings, be that the Calgary Flames. Like there's a lot of competition, and that's why I think a lot of the trade deadline moves are going to be centralized here because the margin for error is just so slim. And I think that the wild card positions are probably going to both go to those central division teams. I think you're right. You know, even Minnesota that's been on a big slide lately. God, they're bad right now. I have, a, I have a hard time believing that they don't get it together. I think they're just swooning right now. Mm. Um, I, I think that if worse comes to worse, Garen is going to be aggressive at the trade deadline. Of course, the GM of the Minnesota Wild. I'm not actually sure, Lindsay, 
if that team is happy with their goaltending. I don't think they are right now. <laughs> I, I think I know Cam Talbot was an all-star this year. He mm-hmm. had some good stretches. Kakinen was very good for a, a while. But both of them have slid. I haven't seen as much growth to Kakinen's game as I was hoping for. And that's a team that I know earlier this year sniffed around the trade dead market a little bit, even on the goaltender front. So mm-hmm. there's a chance they could look for that. I would expect them, uh, the Wild, to add secondary scoring in some fashion. Claude Giroux might even be a name in the mix there amongst other players. So I think Minnesota will be there. Nashville should be there. But Dallas looks really good right now. So I I don't see Anaheim able to crack into that wild card spot. I don't think they're going to be better than Vegas, Calgary, and either of the mixes of L.A. or Edmonton at this stage. Yeah, there's just a lot of teams that are seeming to figure it out at a faster rate. And so it's a really big conundrum, I think, especially with the different uh, head of the front office with the Ducks as Bob Murray was dismissed earlier in the season. But you mentioned the Dallas Stars. You have Jason Robertson going with the back-to-back Hatties this past weekend. And he's the the name that we don't even mention when we talk about young talent on that team. You got your Heiskanens. You got your Rupe Hintzes. You got, you know, your Pavelskis who they're working out a, a contract extension. How quickly things have shifted for that team in just probably, what, the last 10 to 12 days or so? Definitely has for Dallas because they've been on such a hot run here lately. But I, I said all along, watch out for this team. Mm. You know, they battled injury early and they just couldn't get it going. You know, they'd have spans where they'd go seven, eight games, play well, then they'd drop a bunch in a row. They finally found their consistency. And I think a big part of that uh, is twofold. First of which, Ryan Suter is playing his best hockey as a Dallas star. Mm-hmm. He's been awesome. But the big deal, Lindsay's Jake Ottinger. This Facts. Guy, Minnesota goalie. Of course, we don't know how to produce them, Michael. We don't know how to grow them or show them, but that guy has a great blocker side, and that is a very underutilized skill in today's NHL. He's he's a a shower, not a grower. Mm -hmm. I can play. Um, I tell you what, Ottinger, 100% real deal. I've done a ton of video work on him recently, breaking it down even for the goalies that I work with at the college level. And to me, he's kind of a hybrid between a Vasilevsky and a Bishop. He's mm. six foot five. He plays really big, but he's controlled. He's within his posts. He's always bringing the whole package. He's very rarely spread. But I still like the athleticism he brings on top of that. And, you know, I talked to somebody recently this week uh, close to that situation who said that, yeah, it's not just the intangibles about his technique. His reads are getting better. Mm-hmm. And that's the critical part because the more time you spend in the National Hockey League, you get to know the opposite team better. You know the league. You know the shooters, the players. To me, that's why Ottinger's trajectory continues to go up. The Stars are no longer protecting him. He has the crease, and he's got a pretty good safety blanket. He's got Braden Holpe and even Anton Hudobin still in the American League. So that's a team that's pretty deep in goal. Absolutely. With that in mind, do you still anticipate them possibly trading one of those goalies, even if they are a contender? I mean, technically, I would want to hoard them as much as possible if I think that this is the team to make a run with. But everybody has a price, and you know, this is, there is hockey to be played outside of this season. Yeah, you sound like the classic WWE wrestler Ted DiBiase saying everybody's got a price. Of course, <laughs> million dollar man. Uh, but here's the deal. I would actually, if I were Jim Nill, the GM of the Dallas Stars, I would very seriously consider consider trading Braden Holpe if I got a good package for Same. Him. But I don't see that happening. And the reason why is everybody I've talked to close to that situation doesn't think 
that Dallas wants to run with anything other than a combination of Jacob Ottinger and Braden Holby. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I respect that. I mean, that's a good duo going into playoffs. Of course, Udobin at your third if you need him. But I also look at Dallas, I'm like, man, they could really use those picks. And you know there's teams out there looking for goalies on the market. Absolutely. So I just don't know what the value is for Holby. If it's not a good return, by all means, you want to stick around. Stanley Cup winning goaltender as recently as a few years ago. Um, but it's Ottinger's crease in Dallas. Absolutely. And if anything, I mean, with, with teams like Minnesota starting to swoon, especially in that goaltending position, I mean, that's that's going to make their job a lot easier or at least – it'll give them better deals to kind of sift through and really make that big decision because I, I think they can make a run with this roster because they had, a, I think, a crappier roster a couple of years ago and they were able to dispatch the Golden Knights just fine. Yeah, and they could also be looking to add, too. You yeah. know, the, uh, the Dallas Stars, if you're looking a month ago, Joe Pavelski, John Klingberg, those are two names that you're looking at on the trade board thinking, man, they're probably on the move. Klingberg's requested a trade. Right. He's not going to come back next year. He's doing a new UFA deal. Like, he's gone. But it, so it could be gone. worth it to make him stay on this roster and let him walk away for nothing if you're able to make a legitimate run. Like, I, I think you're kind of weighing that decision in a way. No question. That's what Jim Mill, the GM of the Dallas Stars, is facing is that Klingberg may end up being a self-rental. Mm-hmm. And you have to make that decision. And, and part of it, too, it's a really strong owner in, in Texas. Tom Galliardi wants to win. And if you're willing to eat that, mm-hmm. you know, they do. Dallas has their full spectrum of draft picks for the next three years. They're not losing any. They're not missing a first rounder or anything like that. I, I think it would be nice to be able to add to it if you could. But they're not going to get rid of Pavelski. The guy's been their best player this year for the majority of this season. Jason Robertson's gone on just on fire lately mm-hmm. is probably going to be the face of that team offensively in years to come but it's been driven by Pavelski and hit that top line I think Dallas could look to add depth scoring I think they could use that um, I always wonder if Radulov could be on the market with that big contract but it might be hard he's to so see. sneaky so, in the playoffs though Mike he's always well, good for a few goals down in the playoffs yeah and you know people around that situation to think that Radulov plays a bigger part of that team than, mm-hmm. than the points this year might realize. To me, that also might be a smokescreen for, hey, that guy's got a contract, we just can't move. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so I think true. it kind of goes hand in hand. But regardless, man, I, I like Dallas. And I'm always a huge, huge fan of the leadership Jamie Benn brings, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't count them out. You talked about Jake Ottinger and his ability to to really stay big because I think when we talk about bigger goalies, my concern is always, well, if they get down, where does their weight go? How how efficient are they at staying tall and taking away the upstairs? And I think that he does an excellent job in doing that. And another goalie that we that we haven't mentioned yet that I think needs to be talked about is Igor Shesterkin. And I a few weeks ago when I was talking to my people and they were asking, you know, is he a legitimate person for MVP I'm like guys I'm not ready to consider this until we start sniffing the same air that Carey Price was in 14-15 I think we're in that mode now but what do you think he's the best goalie in the world you're over Vassy you're ready to say that right now I I think listen I it's going to be so hard to knock Vasilevsky off his perch because he is the best money goaltender in hockey Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not sure offhand what the statistic is but in elimination games, Vasilevsky's had shutouts in like half of them or something. Insane. Isn't it like five straight or something like that? Something it's, ridiculous. It's crazy. That guy has 
learned how to thrive under pressure situations. And I tell you what, Lindsay, I think a lot of that has to do with the lessons he learned early in his career, facing losses in playoffs, a lost playoff series uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets in four straight games. Embarrassing. That's, that has galvanized Vasilevsky. But Shosturkin, you watch this guy skate. Ugh. Watch him arrive on time. Watch him rotate. Watch him be square and waiting for pucks. And I have people tell me, ask me all the time, like, why is this guy so good at making saves on clean shots? And I say because his feet are set, his eyes are locked in. He's so efficient. And he's got posture. Yep. He's so good. And and I think that he's really covered up the Rangers' uh, the defensive deficiencies. I don't think he's in the hard territory because to me. He hasn't played quite enough games. I think that hurts him. Mm. You know, I think he's into, what, 34, 35-game territory so far this year. Or you have others like, let's say, a UC Saros who's played 43, 44 games. Shosturka can still win a Vezina at that rate, but to get a heart, you need to go wire to wire. Yeah. Playing a lot of games. And you have to be head and shoulders better than anybody else in your position, whether you're a defenseman or a goalie, to win a hard trophy as league MVP. So it's just Jerkin playing at the level to be in consideration for a heart. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. is he going to win it? I think he's still facing an uphill battle, but if he runs the table from here on out, and if he scores a goal, give it to him, Lindsay. Oh, if hell yeah. Scores a goal, give him the, give him the award right there on the ice. Stop the game. Bring out the heart trophy. Give it to him. Yeah. Before the period. We don't need the voting. We don't need the opinions of the writers. We know exactly what is on the wall. That's right. And you know what? I am now a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. Oh, aren't you legit? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, you get like uh, a, a card or a decal or something like that for, for that? A decal? Uh, a club? We used to call those decals in racing. I know. Decals. I go the Canadian pronunciation the Canadian for term. decals, decals. <laughs> That's where I go. Um, so... You have the the emergence or at least the ascension of Shesterkin. We know that that makes uh, Gorgiev basically expendable. He's a name that a lot of people are talking about in trade deadline uh, for goaltenders, and that name was attached a lot a few weeks ago to the Golden Knights. Now, Robin Leonard's fine, at least through through this week and and everything else, but do you you think there's still as hot of a market for him, and what type of team do you think he would fit in best? Because he's kind of a spider monkey type of style of goaltender, Mike. He almost fires off of that post and if he's on he's probably fantastic when he's off I don't know if he could stop a beach ball yeah to me Gorgia is interesting because I he's way better when he plays a lot of games and that's mm-hmm. not going to happen behind Igor Shostak and he's been passed over but his numbers have gone nothing but downhill since his first year pro and I think if this half ago Gorgia's value would have been much higher than it Mm-hmm. Word around the league is that he's at the level to truly trust. Him. He hasn't really done that. Urge previously. Mike, you there? Hello. Why? Well, between him and Don Angelo last year, great associate to Gorgiev. You can see his body language after some goals. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily great. I just think that NHL GMs see some warning signs there that maybe they don't want to throw all their weight behind someone who hasn't been proven. And imagine if Igor Shosturkin gets hurt and the Rangers are stuck with Koskinen as their goaltender at playoffs. 
That's oh my god, <laughs> could you imagine? It's not. Yeah, it would it, it would be it would be absolutely like uh, it would be a clown show. And and unfortunately, Mike, I've, I lost you for most of that answer with Gorgiev, but I'm, I think I'm piecing it together I, the, in terms of if Koskinen's playing on the Rangers, then we've made a trade with the Edmonton Oilers. And as you said, that's a lot of bets to place on a character that hasn't exactly been showing that he's the most reliable of starting net miners. But Koskinen's pl- played pretty well the last couple of games, or at least the last couple Oilers games I've seen. But I, like goaltending is the problem problem there but I think it is a great excuse to kind of skirt away blame from players not playing the right way not skating hygienically not getting back into plays what is what in your mind is the calculus for success for the Oilers what adjustment yeah they need goaltending straight up I don't think there's any way around it like I'm more comfortable saying that about the Oilers than I am the Maple Leafs Mm. I think the decor for the Maple Leafs is so soft they don't have a willingness to compete I'm watching pucks get floated in from the blue line and seeing Morgan Riley just let it deflect off the tip in the net without even a care of trying to block that shot. That's not winning hockey. Mm. And I'm sorry, man. If, if you're making that kind of money to carry the mail, you better get, be willing to get in front of shots if it's regular season because you're not going to do it in the postseason. So I, I think that, that it's incumbent upon Kyle Dubas in Toronto to find defense. I mean, it may not just be one. With Jake Muzzin out, they need help. But for the Oilers, it's – they just need consistency. Like, Mike Smith's been hurt. He's been in and out of the lineup. He's sick now. Like, even if Smith gets back to healthy, what do you have there? Mm-hmm. You know, I love Mike Smith, man. I think that guy's the ultimate battler, but I can't trust him right now. And Koskinen is what he is. He'll play a couple good games, and then it just goes right back to what it was previously. He is what he is. There's, he is not going to improve. He's not an NHL number one, much less an NHL goaltender that can win you a Stanley Cup. That's my assessment. So I think that they have to find someone. The problem is that they can't. What's available? Because I think GM Ken Holland is trying to find a name. I think he wants I think he wants Mark Andre Fleury or mm-hmm. he wants Jonathan Quick. I think he wants somebody who's previously been somebody who can do it in the NHL. But the price has been too high. Ken Holland should be looking to get Anton Forsberg out of Ottawa. That's the magic bullet. Mm. But I don't think he has a big I don't think he has a big enough name or the guts to go after somebody who doesn't have the cachet to excite a fan base, Lindsay. Yeah. What about Kudobin? Well, he's been playing in the American League and really Kudobin to me hasn't been the same ever since he had I believe he had surgery on a hand or wrist. Uh, he had long COVID mm. beginning of last season, you know. That's all kind of factored in, and he didn't look the same when he started the year in the NHL to me. So I, I think that at this point, Hudobin would be something of a reclamation project, whereas sure. if you go after a Forsberg, who's been awesome, and he doesn't cost anything. Like he's got a $900,000 $900, contract. Mm-hmm. It's a no-lose And he's used to seeing a lot of shots, too, which is uh, it seems uh, to be a theme in Edmonton. Tons of shots. So, again... The biggest problem for Ken Holland, though, is that the entire league hasn't been over a barrel because they know he's looking for a goalie. Yeah. Like, you know, he's going to have to give up the, the King's ransom to get it done, and that's why he needed to do it last summer leading into this season. Yeah, at this point, he's almost reliant on somebody else being pushed into a very, very desperate position so at least you can do business and leverage off someone else because they're just, like you said, everybody knows exactly what they need and how much that they can leverage them for that. It's going to be uh, a really tough putt for I think the Oilers down the stretch because even if they do make the playoffs 
I, I don't think they're going to go very far. And so it's just a, a disaster in waiting in my mind. But there's a lot of teams that you could probably say that's a disaster if they end up going out early in that first round or just early out in the playoffs in general especially when you have teams like the Kings sniffing around. This is a good team, Mike, and I've been on them since early. I, I saw how they were kind of putting things together last season. Now you get the Quinton Byfields into the lineup. He's healthy again. You get the Philip Deneau's to to really make Mark Stone's life miserable when he's available in the lineup. But their power play is still horseshit. Why and what do they need to fix? Because we always talk about what's the difference between teams in the playoffs, and a lot of times it's your ability to convert on the power play. Yeah, the two X factors for me when it comes to playoffs are, well, goaltending is always the obvious one. Goalies yep. can steal a series, steal a game. But beyond that, special teams. Like, if your penalty kill goes goes to hell, you're in one. If you can't score in the power play, you're in big trouble. You may only get two or three a game, but you got to make it count on the power play. And L.A. is a team that at the beginning of the season, I, I pegged them to be a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Wasn't sure where they'd be. I thought they were going to be something as surprising. Them or the Rangers were my two teams that were kind of my my belief teams. You know what I mean, Lindsay? When you pick yeah. the club at the beginning, you're like, I just have a feeling they're going to be good. There's this something year magical cooking over there. We just got to see if they make yeah. the recipe right. Right. And for the Rangers, for me, it was Jar Glant coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for LA, I just thought it was the infusion of the players that were younger coming in, along with Dan O. Uh, and the more I look back at it, it's really been the Victor Arvidsson trade that's carried that team beyond the obvious. Like, he's been awesome for them. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was picked up for a second- to third-round pick, which was, I'll tell you what, that was a gutsy move by GM Rob Blake of the Kings to make that play, but he's been good. The only problem is that he did leave the game the other night. You worry about an injury to Arvidsson. But you do have the young talent filtering in now. Quinton Byfield has made his mark. They have Dursey's come in and played well. Kempe looks like he's Kempe is Kempe's on fire this year. You know? That dude can fly. Why are they the looking fuck. to trade Athanasiu? Because he's like the only guy that seems to create off the rush, and he's the name that I keep seeing with everybody in terms of potential pieces that can go back if they're looking to add a defenseman. Yeah, well, because if you're going to add a defenseman, you, you get may something not be up. looking at a rental. You might be looking at somebody with some term and a great contract named Jacob Chekrin. Mm, yep. And if you're going to do that, you've got to give up something of value, and you got to give up a little bit of cap hit. I think that might be where Tennessee plays in. I mean, at Tennessee, as fast as he is and as much as he creates, I still don't think that he's always trusted defensively. No. And, and L.A. still, listen, I don't trust him in goal in playoffs. That's the only thing that worries me. Peterson's been pretty consistent, but he's been consistently letting in three goals. Yeah, and Quick's and, actually been the better guy all season long. He was for the start of the year. Mm-hmm. The hard part for Quick, though. Longevity. Since the, since the uh, holiday break, Quick has the lowest save percentage in the National Hockey League. E. So I'm, I don't think they're going to make any moves in net, but it makes me nervous in L.A. who they have in goal because I think teams have figured out their goaltending. And they're going to have to outscore people if they want to keep moving on. Shoot at those posts, right? Target those hips because they're not the most uh, uh, flexible. At least that's what in our conversations we've come to the conclusion, too, when we talk about Peterson. Maybe not so much Jonathan Quick, but he's always down on his post, even if that puck is up on the hash mark. Yeah, and Peterson, to me, doesn't rotate very well. He mm-hmm. tends to chase the game into the white ice. He moves laterally in straight lines. Uh, and if you want somebody that's the complete opposite of that, that's Igor Shosturkin. You're used to Saros. Those goalies rotate and get square to the puck so quickly and efficiently mm-hmm. 
that's what Peterson needs to do better. Quick needs to stop relying on paddle down and RBH and, and playing so small. Teams know how to expose that now. But I do love the I do love LA up front. Like Kopitar's still producing. Brown's good. Mm-hmm. Dano, like you said, has been phenomenal for him. So I think they can make some waves. Absolutely. I think they're a team that is going to, we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward if they're not able to make a lot of noise this year. But we talk about hip mobility. Let's do a little compare contrast as we go with Cal Peterson and Robin Leonard. Because you the other night kind of talked me off the ledge because I saw Leonard's feet in the white paint a lot. And granted, I think they were playing a crappier team. And so you said that he has trust in the defensive coverage for the Golden Knights. And I thought, you know what, that's extremely misplaced in my mind. But yet we are here. Uh, Is that a night by night basis type of proposition? Or do you feel like that's a, a full-blown adjustment that Leonard has made to his game is to gap out a little bit and trust that this team is going to pick up that back door? I felt that in the game that we, I was watching, and I believe we were discussing the game against the San Jose Sharks yeah. a week ago. San Jose sucks. They're terrible. I actually have a piece out now saying they need to sell the farm. Sell hurdles, sell anything they can because that team's not going to be good again for a while. They need to speed up their rebuild. They've got way too much invested and Burns, Lassick, and Carlson on the back end. Yeah. Um, so I think they need to help. Robin Leonard's never been afraid to take ice and move out of his crease when he knows that there isn't a secondary option or a pass option on a rush chance against. And I think that that's not a bad thing for him. I think that he's pretty good at reading those plays. San Jose just didn't generate anything. They were one and done. You have a player down the wing, nobody attacking. And I think that's the strength of Leonard is that he does at times judiciously decide to move out and take ice. It's not always, not automatic, but he will do it when he thinks that he can do it and get away with it in a way that's positive. So I I like that about him. I like that he's not just married to always playing on the goal line. Like, for instance, let's say Mike Smith. I think that Leonard's been better about that and making sure that he's making decisions on time and place on when to challenge aggressively. Yeah, that's fair. I I think he's been phenomenal since he's returned back. And granted, we didn't know how long he's going to be out. We're not really sure if it's a nagging injury, like what nobody's up front or honest. And you know that just as well as I do, especially down in this neck of the woods. But I'm I'm a little nervous about the Golden Knights right now and, and their ability to get everybody back together and on the right starting line should they get stone back in this lineup should they actually have a chance to take this to the playoffs because right now if they're hovering around that line and we've already allocated both those wild card positions to the the central division i mean it 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 truly is cup or bust completely out of the playoffs i think it's perilous yeah Uh, it's the best word i can find to describe their situation because i'm I still think in my heart of hearts the Golden Knights will make playoffs. I think they'll end up in the top three of the Pacific Division. But, man, I've seen reasons to be concerned. And I think part of it is just our recency bias of always thinking they've been fine no matter what. Mm -hmm. The Golden Knights have always been fine. They've always found a way. All right, so the Golden Knights yesterday, uh, we were looking to get healthy against one of the worst teams in the NHL, and what do you know, we weren't able to get it done. Two-to-one loss at the hands of the Philadelphia Flyers, Mike, and they were down 2 nothing after the first period. I know that you were watching other NHL talent put their uh, best stuff on display, but it just seems like it's another night where we fired 50 shots on net and only managed to convert on one of them, and apparently Marshy was like, I don't really know what to do. We keep running into hot goaltenders. So what do they do? 
Well, how many years do we have to hear that for at this point? Yeah. That's the hard part. I mean, we've heard that refrain before. Like, we got beat by a good goaltender over and over and over again. So, you can look at this a couple of different ways. First, how are the Golden Knights generating shots? Are they doing it from the inside? Are they doing it on and off the stick? Are they doing it on the rush? Well, typically when they fire a lot of shots at goal and a goalie stands on his head, the shots are coming from the outside, from the points, and they're not able to either get secondary opportunities or they don't have anybody at the net to create tips, deflections, all those types of things that make life hard on a goaltender. So I don't know where to go if you've got a team that continues to do the same thing year in and year out, and it kills them in playoffs. And especially against a team like Philly, that's brutal offensively. But all they do is pack the middle. Mm -hmm. I saw this a couple weeks ago when I uh, Philly played against St. Louis, and they just rope-a-doped them. They packed the middle. They forced the Blues to the outside. They were in that game for a large portion of it. And it's the same thing you see with the, against the Golden Knights, that teams that they defend the middle of the ice have success. And teams that can limit the rush chances of the Golden Knights, or if a goaltender just happens to make all the saves on the rush chances, they beat them. Right. And I think that's a that's a tough spot to be in when you're losing games to Philadelphia. That team is just not good. And you start to wonder at this point, Lindsay, like where's the confidence of the Golden Knights when you're not beating the teams that you really should? No, I, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with you because it, it, it the way that you defend this team kind of goes hand in hand. As you mentioned, you pack the middle and then you kind of force the, the Golden Knights to go into their own cage because they're going to possess the hell out of the puck. They're going to fire the shots on, but it's never truly uh, a threat. It's never truly like uh, we have to have all hands on deck. And it just seems as the games go on, they double down on what they're doing or they just get such intense tunnel vision that that imagination just isn't there. Yeah, and the creativity factor is one part, and then you've got the players that start to overthink things. Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking to somebody pretty close to the team thinking that, man, this team just needs a, they need a psychologist to help them when it comes crunch time because they they simply can't perform in the clutch moments, which it, it shouldn't be like that for a team of as talented of players as they have, but for whatever reason, that's kind of been tough on them in playoffs and going down the stretch. So I'm I'm... I'm still optimistic about this club, though, Lindsay. Like, mm -hmm. I still think the Golden Knights have the pieces. But, boy, we really start to worry when you hear those things again and again. Hey, hot goalie, oh, we just got to try harder. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, then how do people play in the playoffs, Mike? Like, this is this is the, the formula for success, be it against the Golden Knights or anybody else, because things just tighten up, and it just, every year it seems in the regular season, we're like, well, how do we break them out of this funk? How do we figure out this particular formula? Because we're going to see it later on in the final exam, and then they just don't seem to, to, to be able to figure that out entirely, and they just keep relying on that rush, which isn't being very... Uh, fortuitous for them right now and then they have the legs of their opposition just collecting those pucks and putting them back up ice on the rush themselves yeah and i still think that the team is constructed very north south mm -hmm. which is good i mean you want to play north south but there really isn't the playmaking pivot on this club that some of these top end teams have that can rip seams and get pucks through like I'm specifically thinking of Kucherov in Tampa Bay, and I'm specifically thinking of Backstrom in Washington. Mm -hmm. Players like that that can find lanes. Even last night, I'm watching Patrick Kane in Chicago 
five assists. <laughs> yeah. You know, I understand it's a career night, but that's the type of player that you have to have, and Jack Eichel should help that. But Eichel's also a very fast north-south player. Mm-hmm. He, can, he can make plays at a high level through seams, but he still needs to have a, a, a max patch ready at 100%. Right. And he needs a Mark Stone in the lineup to really make that line sing. Mm-hmm. Well, because then you have to respect each respective talents in a way because I I was watching them try to force passes through that cross seam on the power play, and all you have to do is, you know, put a stick in the lane and disrupt it. I'm like, well, you actually have to draw some bodies to you. You have to actually act like, hey, come over here. I might do something with it because everybody can read exactly what they're doing. And then it's just so demoralizing for them because how many times have you been on a team in a game where it just seems like the hardest thing in the world is getting a, a pass tape to tape from point A to point B? For sure, and I think I've thought this for a bunch of years. Like the Golden Knights still need movement on their power play, not mm-hmm. just with the puck, but with players. You know, you can say we need to move the puck as fast as we can, and I can tell that they're trying, and I can tell that Eichel is definitely going to help that. But until you get players in motion and creating mismatches amongst D and making the defense think on the penalty kill, it's still going to remain easy yeah. to defend Benelux. You need motion. You look power plays across the league and again, I mean look at Tampa look at Edmonton just how fast they're moving I mean they still get into dry idle on the backside in Edmonton even though everybody knows it's going there because McDavid's always in motion Nugent Hopkins when he's in the lineup he's always in motion and that's the difference maker it's their body not just the puck yeah, it's it's truly fascinating, and it, it almost seems like it's sometimes we, we try to we funnel those pucks up up high because we want to go through our defense when we want to utilize Shea Theodore, we want to utilize Alex Bertrangelo, but sometimes you have to diversify away from those top talents if the top talents aren't the ones performing. Like at some point, I'm like, let's, let's just break up all the lines, let's play who's actually producing, but then again, I'm not really sure if anybody's at that point, and to be totally honest as well, I don't know if further kind of putting them down is going to help them at, at this point. It's just straight up. you got to work harder. you got to battle harder in those 50-50 battles. And then sooner or later, you're going to come out victorious. It's just it doesn't seem like they paid the price to earn that puck luck yet. Yeah, and I'd, man, I'd sure like to see Marshall play with Eichel more. I'd really like to see that. I, I'm, I understand the, the mystique of the misfit line, but mm. with a team that's trying to create some scoring, missing some players out of the lineup, I'm very, I would be very tempted to, to break that lineup and see what you can do. Well, especially now, Even if you're putting Riley Smith on the right side, just to create something a little bit different, give it a different look, see how it goes. Because, like, the Misfit line has been good at times. They've had times that they've been dominant. But I still don't think that you're going to get the top, top, top end out of that line like you will some of the others in the league. You know, mm-hmm. they are an excellent second line. But they're not a first line in the NHL. No, and it seems like it's a lot more top-heavy scoring with that line versus, like, the last couple of years you had, you know, Riley Smith chipping in a couple of goals every night or a few points. Then you'd see Bill Carlson get a couple of assists. It seems like it's so lopsided towards Marshy's uh, area and of just actually converting. And it, the other two, I mean, Smith had a couple of goals last week or recently, but they're dealing with some big-time scoring droughts. But everybody is. Yep. Yeah, and that's – that's what you look at. Like at this time of the year, it's here in March, and mm-hmm. the season's bumped back a little bit, so you still have all of April to work and get things going. But this is where it needs to happen. And I don't really, Lindsay, see anybody coming in to stay in the Golden Knights. I can't look at trade deadline as a time that's going to be 
something that gives the Golden Knights more juice than they currently have. No, like, the answer's in the room. Yeah. It is. Like, it's what they have. And can you really pull it off with what you have? If it's a full lineup, absolutely. I think you can get close. But we've just seen kind of similar stuff that we have in the past. So I, I still think they're there. I still think they're going to get the playoffs. But I said this earlier. I'm really nervous about a first-round flame out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially when you're talking about, well, are you going to match up with Calgary? Because they got their ass kicked 6 nothing there last time they faced there. The fact that, you know who packs the middle really well? The, the Los Angeles Kings. They've been practicing that for the past three years because they've been shit. And now that they actually have some skill, we can punch back and get after it. And they just, the Golden Knights don't play against either of those teams very well. Yeah, I'd be concerned against Calgary big time just given the way those games have gone. I mean, that top line on Calgary with, with Kachuk, Lindholm, and Goudreau, it's... Thank God Gaudreau didn't blow out his knee last night. What's that? Thank God Gaudreau didn't blow out his knee last night. I heard there was a collision. That would have been a disaster. That would have been tough, yeah. But that line has just been like the Globetrotters this year. They've been impressive. But it's it's also just because Calgary's so good defensively and they've got a goalie that they believe in in Markstrom. Mm -hmm. You know, even their secondary goaltender in Ladaris had a pretty nice season for them. And, And that makes a difference, so... I, I would be worried about Calgary. Again, I'm not sure about LA's, LA's goaltending, but man, that lineup in LA, it's one or two pieces away, I think, from actually being scary. Mm-hmm. Like, they are trending in the right direction. Well, and Rob Blake's constructed that team uh, with the Golden Knights in mind, with the powers that be in the Pacific Division in mind, because they're not just here to to uh, compete. They're here to start bullying people around, and they have certainly have the farm system to help bolster that if they look to add pieces from the outside or simply just let them develop a very uh, healthy system going on in L.A. and a lot of level of concern for your Golden Knights. Michael, I, I appreciate you uh, recording this podcast over the last couple of days. I know that you are everywhere just getting all of the hockey insights for Daily Faceoff. So besides dailyfaceoff.com, where else can we find all of your excellent work? Well, I'm starting to pick up time with um, Sirius XM on the, on the radio dial. Uh, I'm on with them occasionally, but you'll see it Daily Faceoff. Um, also, occasionally at Sinbin.Vegas on Wednesdays, we typically do uh, what's known as goalie interference at 7 o'clock in the evening, which is a lot of fun. Mm. Um, are not doing it today uh, because I wasn't able to see uh, one of the Golden Knights games previously, and I'm traveling. But that's typically every Wednesday. If there's a game, we go Thursday. and It's a lot of fun, man. It's interactive. People call in and just hang out with the Sinbin guys and have a good time. You're a man of many talents and many friends, and we are so pleased to call ourselves one of yours. Thank you so much, Mike. You are very welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.